You are listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm certified parent coach Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the strong connections with your kids and get all the cooperation you want. For more information on my book and other resources, check out www.yellingcurebook.com. For many of us, the holidays will look different this year. Many friend and family reunions will not be the same, but that shouldn't stop us from feeling close. Why not give your loved ones the most meaningful gift this year? A chance to tell their story and share their memories using StoryWorth. StoryWorth is a brand new online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and their personal thoughts. It's a fun way to engage with family, especially those you can't see in person. All these thoughts and stories are converted into a beautiful keepsake book for you to cherish and hand down. I love what this company is all about and I'll be doing it with my family and I invite you to do it with yours. Go to storyworth.com slash POF for $10 off your purchase. Hey everybody, it's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. I have a really special guest today. His name is Parham Zar, and he is the founder and managing director of the Egg Donor and Surrogacy Institute, otherwise known as EDSI. And he's a leading expert within the third-party assisted reproductive industry. I know that's a mouthful, right? Um, But over his 20-year tenure at EDSI, Parham has helped thousands of intended parents bring their dream of parenthood to fruition. So beautiful. He is deeply invested in creating a more compassionate and open dialogue around infertility and reproduction, uh, reproductive challenges, issues that are commonly impacting individuals and couples from around the world. And, you know, look, as Parham and I talk here, welcome. Thank you for being here. You know, we both kind of deal with angst and anxiety in different ways. I deal with it once the child is at least two years old and a little older and we're talking about behavior. You deal with that in a different way. So welcome. Let's let's dive right in and talk about what it is to be a surrogate or an egg donor. Thank you. It was, it's really nice to talk to you and it's such a treat for me. So I appreciate your having me. Yeah. Uh, yes. So as, as, you, as you mentioned, you deal with all of the anxiety that parents have in raising a child. We, yeah. we deal with anxieties before the creation of that life. That's right. so we're dealing with, uh, you know, the intended parents and, and their desire to have a baby. And there's got to be a lot of angst and, anxi- and anxiety because they've been through a lot of pain and loss uh, with their own frustration over, you know, not having a baby or we've got a couple that is a same sex couple, right? So there's, there's lots of different ways that you can become a parent. And, you know, I thought it was really important that we talk about that too, that there are so many ways to become a parent and what makes a parent, right? Absolutely. 100%. Uh, you know, it, it, when we talk about a woman who might be facing infertility, uh, it takes a lot for a woman to mourn her own fertility yeah. and to come to, to a point where she uh, recognizes, accepts that she might need the help of another woman, whether an egg donor or a surrogate, in order to have her baby. 
So these are all the things that go through the minds of the intended parents. Of course, if, uh, if you're a same-sex couple, then you might not have the same anxieties for choosing an egg donor because you have no choice but to use an egg donor. But the psychological ramification and, and aspects for someone who is facing infertility are immense and they're very real. And that's where we're here. You know, we hold their hands through this incredibly difficult time and we, uh, we hold their hands and, hold, and get them through to the other side with a miracle, with oh. a baby. Beautiful. That's really beautiful. And the fact that you want to have a more compassionate and, um, you know, calm and kind uh, way of handling these parents, I think that's really beautiful because in some cases you, 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 are, you are with parents who are devastated, right? That they're in your office. Absolutely. Most, most of the parents that are facing the need for an egg donor or surrogate, they've already been through multiple uh, cycles of in vitro fertilization or failures, and they've gotten to a point where they, they have to accept the fact that they need an egg donor or surrogate. And with that comes a lot of questions. Who is the egg donor? Who is the surrogate? How do I know that I'm, I'm you know, it, 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 for example, when we're talking about a surrogate, common questions that we get. Why are they becoming a surrogate? Will they take care of themselves during the pregnancy? How do we ensure that there is no drugs or alcohol or healthy eating habits? I mean, there's so much that, you know, and, and the fact that the parents have to somehow give up, at least for the term of the pregnancy, give up that control to another person. These are all the things that we deal with every day. That would be hard. That would be really hard. And that's also the path that you are having to take, right? So you do have to let go of some of that control, which I'm sure is very hard for some people. Um, but there are sort of two issues to this side, right, that you deal with. You deal with the matching of um, a couple to a surrogate, or, and you also help people with egg donation, right? So you kind of have both. You have uh, surrogacy, the surrogates, the eggs, and then also the families that are receiving the gift from the surrogate and the egg, right? So, so can I ask you then, what does it take to be a surrogate? Very, very good question. And we're always asked this question. So um, for example, within EDSI, I can show you a file about this thick every <laughs> month of surrogates, of applications that we get for amazing women who want to become a surrogate. From every 100 applications that we receive, one ultimately becomes a surrogate in our program because there is so much that goes into that selection of an ideal surrogate for someone. None None of us want headaches. So we want to make sure that these journeys are the right journeys for the intended parents and also for the surrogate. So psychological issues, biological issues, medical issues, the living environment of someone, all of these factors really come into play when you decide who is a good surrogate and whether it is the right journey for them as well. So that's, that's really great. You have a really in-depth screening process then. So when people go to you, they're gonna be, they should be pretty confident that they've got a really good surrogate. 
Absolutely. You know, I always tell our intended parents, you know, there is no guarantees in this industry. Usually the doctors can't guarantee that you will get embryos or whether the embryos will be healthy or that there will be a pregnancy or even the baby that is born will be healthy. There is no guarantees. But one thing that I can always guarantee to my intended parents is that the surrogate that we provide them will be an amazing surrogate. No, it, it is because there, it takes a lot of homework that we do behind the scenes to make sure that we, we really um, uh, pick the amazing women and they are really amazing. I wish you could be a fly on the wall and listen. You know, we have a private Facebook group for our surrogates and the, the conversations that they have. And they're really coming from in, an incredible position of goodness. And everything that they're doing, it's not easy to be a surrogate because it requires shots, commitments, mm-hmm. a lot of calendar and, 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 and really strict, uh, following strict guidelines. And really the shots are the worst because, you know, it, it, even if they miss one shot, it could throw the whole cycle off. So they have to be committed and doing everything really on time and perfectly. And so it takes a lot. What a beautiful sacrifice to make. Wow. I mean, really. So, why? What? What motivates uh, a woman to be a to, to be a surrogate? You know, I did a I did a um, this, a webinar with uh, three different sets of three of our surrogates, the three at, at different times, and it is it was really around this uh, this subject. So, I you know, I encourage uh, everyone if you want to please watch the YouTube webinar that we did with oh, the surrogates, okay. and because the best is to hear it from them and you hear why it is that they've become surrogates and it's amazing the 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 common question that we always get is is it about the money are are they doing this for the money and what i have to explain them and what the surrogates explain is of course the money is a factor and it is an important factor but it is not at all the most important factor and if it is i guarantee you the surrogates, once they find out what they have to go through in order to, to <laughs> earn that money or compensation, that they will not go through with it. So it takes such an incredible heart and commitment. And 99% of human beings on earth cannot do what these amazing surrogates do. And on the other hand, the parents that really, you know, one of the things that I say is um, I I always love the moment that I witness people falling in love. Mm-hmm. When we have those match meetings between an intended parent and their surrogate. And on one hand, I have someone sitting on one side where they are sharing all of their frustrations and hopes and dreams and, and the failures. And now reaching out to someone sitting across from them, either on a video or in person yeah. and asking them, to be their savior, to be their hero. And on the other hand, I watch the surrogate looking in their eyes and trying to assure them, I got this. I will give you everything of me, of my body, of my sanity, and I will get you the baby you want. And I will take care of that baby. And that's really the moment that I watch them fall in love. That's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. Wow. And you get to see that all the time. I do. And then we get to witness the birth of that miracle. (laughs) So, so you just said too, are some of, are some of the surrogates matched with people or the, the, the intended parents matched with surrogates from other parts of the world? 
So uh, in, <coughs> in our program, all of the surrogates are in the United States and, okay. and in surrogate-friendly states because surrogacy is not legal in all states of the United States or all parts of the world. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Right. So a lot of intended parents do come to the United States for these reasons. Basically, there are two reasons. One is whether surrogacy is illegal in the country where they are. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, the, the state of the medical technology, you know, in, 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 in the United States is amazing. So, you know, it, it really, you know, if you're spending all the money that you're spending in order to have a child, what a better way to do it than to make sure that you hedge your bets in your favor, that you really build the best team around yourself, the IVF doctors and the surrogate and the agency, the lawyers, the psychologists, the hospital where the surrogate will give birth, all of these things come into play to create this baby. Wow. What a beautiful gift for a woman to give another woman. I, 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 I can't think of a better one. And, and, uh, but then there's also the egg donation. So what is involved in that? Absolutely. So, you know, in order to create embryos, you always need, uh, you need the egg and you need the sperm and uh, the in vitro fertilization where those are taken mixed and they create the embryo. Either the egg or the sperm can be a, a, the genetic material of the intended parents, or it could be donated. So it could be donated egg or donated sperm. Oh, okay, okay. So the so in case of an egg donor, the the difference between egg donation and surrogacy, for the most part, is first of all the genetic link between mm -hmm. the 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 baby and the parents, and also the amount of anonymity or, or communication that usually happens between the intended parents and the donor or the surrogate. A relationship between the surrogate and the parents is a very intimate one, and it's a continuing one because after all, it is the parents' pregnancy, really. So they're involved, they meet the surrogate, and they are going through entire process together. With egg donation, it's mostly anonymous. So, um, the, the, the parents do not uh, know the, the identity of the egg donor. They get a lot of information about the egg donor. And of course, their identity is known to the doctors and the lawyers and to us as the agency. But the parents and the donor, for the most part, don't meet. I do always encourage them to actually either meet without exchanging identifying information or at least have a phone call because... After all, the parents are using the genetic material of the donor. What a better way for them to get a sense of the personality, of the, you know, the nuances that you don't get just on looking at pictures or paper. Absolutely, right? There are, there are gestures, there are you know, different things that can be passed down, right? So Absolutely, exactly. Yes. You know, the, intended, the intended mothers, usually, this is the woman who really wants to either carry the pregnancy herself, but it doesn't have good eggs, you know, they have a lot of anxiety because, you know, they don't want to walk down the street and, and uh, kind of imagine that someone's going to say, this child doesn't look like you. Yeah, oh, so they, yeah. they always, you know, they, they, you know, so they want to make sure that they have a donor that looks, has the same physical features as they do for the most part. Uh, but at the same time, they're concerned about the anonymity of it. That's right. Yeah. And I, I know that I beat my head a lot thinking, oh, geez, 
you know, <laughs> could that be that person? Could it be that person? You know, um, my kid looks like you, Uh oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I can yeah. really imagine that would be, that would be tough. Now, is there a certain set of criteria you need for women who are donating eggs? And of do you, and, and is there like, and I know nothing about this. So is there, um, is there a lot of egg donations that you have? Is it hard to get egg donations? Like how, how does that all work? So the, the egg, egg donation cycles, um, you, I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, when I started really, I mean, the field of egg donation and surrogacy, it wasn't something that a lot of people talked about or even knew about. Um, and so it, it has taken a lot of, and this is why it's been my passion to educate. And uh, it's a blessing that more and more people are talking about surrogacy and egg donation and, they, and they're becoming more aware of it. Um, when I started about 20 years ago, I would say about 80% of our, of our uh, business was egg donation really? and about 20% was surrogacy. And now it's kind of the other way around. It's, it's mostly surrogacy and, not, and, and about 30% maybe egg donation. Um, with egg donation, the, the donors, of course, the, the, the egg source, they're, they're typically younger women because you want to make sure that they have good quality eggs. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a, a woman... Uh, you know, a woman is born with, the, with a certain number of eggs. And as, as her age progresses, the number and the quality of those eggs diminish. So, I mean, oversimplifying over it, uh, you know, a woman who, who gets to the age of around 40, that's really kind of like the, the brick wall. Yeah. As far as fertility. You know, so, um, so the donors are typically around uh, e either in their early 20s to late 20s at very rare circumstances, maybe they're in their 30s. So they're, they tend to be younger. Of course, there is a lot of, again, psychological screening to make sure that this is the right thing for them. They have to have one very important factor, for example, we have to make sure that their family is aware that they are donating because... Mm. It would, it would be such a disaster if in the middle of a cycle, a donor's family found out and they disagreed and they would dissuade her from continuing. And can you imagine the parents that, that have had so much emotional and financial investment in this process are now left with nothing. So there's a lot that goes into really making sure that you do have a good donor. So this might be a dumb question. <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway. Never any dumb questions. So if, if I were to come into your office and say, look, Parham, I, I, I need an egg donation. Uh, so, so, and I've picked someone who ha has green eyes and brown hair like me and uh, is, a, is a white female. Do, do, do you already have that egg in stock or do you have to go then to that donor and say, okay, we're going to cultivate an egg now? Is that a horrible question to ask? I don't and know. Actually, that's an amazing question. And it's a very important question because, um, now there is both options because there are certain egg banks or places where there are donated eggs that are available, just like we have sperm banks. However, typically um, 
the, within our program, for example, at EDSI, the donor will do a, a cycle exclusively for the intended parents. So she will undergo all of the treatment that, that need, need, needs to happen for an IVF. She'll get the shots. They will suppress the, the um, discarding of the um, eggs that her body produces and, and have them all get ready to be fertilized. They retrieve those eggs and whatever eggs are produced, they belong to the intended parents at that point. So a donor might produce anywhere between 10 to 50 eggs. Really? And those, then, yes, those are for the intended parents. That versus, is versus, versus um, egg freezing and, and uh, egg banking, right. typically the way that works is if a donor does one cycle and let's say she will get 30 eggs, then the egg banks will divide those eggs into different batches of 10 and they will then you know that the parents can get those eggs so it's a different it's a different model oh the science is incredible it's unbelievable yes. we can do this how long have we been able to do this for um well i i've been i've been doing egg donation and surrogacy now for 20 years it's oh. it, uh, egg donation surrogacy are about 40 35 years that you know they've been doing it and it's been perfecting the yeah. egg freezing, uh, you know, sperm is very easy to manipulate and to freeze and thaw. Okay. Embryos, embryos have been pretty much easy to freeze and thaw. Eggs, it's really been maybe the past six years or so where the technology has been maybe a decade where it's been so perfected that you can now really freeze eggs and also thaw them. Uh, you know, the, the concern always is the, the, the eggs are not as much abundant as sperm is. Right. Yeah, know, that makes in, sense. yeah. Yes. So typically in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an ejaculation, there are three, 250 million sperm. Wow. So as you can see, there is a lot and it's easier to manipulate. But right. with eggs, it's very limited. So if mm -hmm. one is discarded or, or is not good, there goes a lot. You know, if you only have five, six, seven, ten. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and so what if an egg isn't used? Is it just destroyed? The so there is a legal contract that's placed, uh, you know, between the the intended parents and the donor. And typically what happens to these is codified within the laws, difference, you know, and, and what happens to them. So the 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 intended parents will have all the rights and obligations to the eggs once those eggs leave the donor's body. The only, under some penal codes, the only time, so, so the parents can decide whether they want to use them, they want to discard them, they want to donate them to science, uh, or they want to freeze them for, for use later. Uh, the only time that they might have to go back to the donor for consent is if they do want to donate it to another couple, for example, for yeah. them to create their family. Right. So there are different nuances to this, but we always have amazing lawyers that really <laughs> handle all of these aspects. Yeah, and, and that's what you help uh, the parents with is to navigate this entire process, right? Absolutely, Which really yes. Really 
is something that you need a lot of patience for and you need a lot, you need to know the law. You need to know what your rights are. Absolutely. Yes. So then when it comes to, um, so that's sort of like what it's like to, to be a donor or to be a surrogate. What about on the parent side of things who are expecting a baby now? And this is, this is why this episode is called, what does it mean to, to you know, make, what, what does it mean to be a parent? How, how are parents made? Well, they're made in all different ways, right? Families are created in so many different ways. And that includes adoption, that includes surrogacy, that includes egg donation, all of the things. And so, um, you know, I know on the parent side, there's going to be like you said, anxiety, worry, there, there could be some psychological stress and strain as well. Um, and so, so if I was coming to you and, and I say, okay, I want a surrogate, what is, what is the process that I would go through? Is it looking through a list, uh, like a book, a lookbook where there's, you know, descriptions of people, how, how does that all work? Uh, first of all, uh, there is a lot of conversation because it is a process and it is really wrapping one's head around the fact that they're going to be using a surrogate or an egg donor. And what does that mean? And of course, the anxieties is this, is, I, do I, will I feel a connection to my child? Yes. Will I feel like, or will the child feel a connection to me? Yeah. Uh, do, do we want to disclose to the child that they were born through a surrogate or through an egg donor? So there's a lot of different questions that we talk to the intended parents about. And one thing that I always uh, uh, hope uh, that they understand is there, you know, of course, I uh, appreciate and I respect privacy. But I hope that there is never any shame that any parent feels about creating a miracle and creating a child. There's a big difference between privacy and shame. So the, you know, and the fact that they're taking these brave steps in order to make their dream of having a, a, a family come true, mm-hmm. it is commendable and it is a miracle and it is a blessing. Is so there are a lot of uh, conversations that we, we, we have on a daily basis with parents. There's also a very important aspect that we begin to see um, there is biological infertility but unfortunately there's also financial infertility and that is just as important of a factor because after all having a child through any means other than just regular you know having sex and having a baby is very expensive if you have to go through several cycles of ivf or if you have to go through surrogacy or egg donation it is very costly and the, 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 the financial aspect of it is, is, uh, is also very important and is challenging for a lot of intended parents. Oh, I can see that being devastating. It'd be really tough. Absolutely, oh, yes. Didn't, didn't think about that at all, but that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And so you say there's a lot of conversations that happen. Is there, um, you know, there's gotta be some preparation too, right? It's psychologically, I think, because like you said, is the child gonna look like me? What if the child doesn't bond with me? What if I don't bond with the child? Which by the way, are natural things that, 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 par- that mothers, that parents feel, regardless of how they have a child. I know I struggled to connect with my first child 
you know, for a while. It didn't, it didn't happen instantly. So I can imagine the immense shame and pain that would cause a, a mom and dad who are, um, who, are, who are creating their family through alternate means, right? Absolutely true. And one of the things that we see and, and, and witness, and it's uh, incredible the way it, it really evolves, is there are certain sets of anxieties and unknowns that parents face before they have that child going through IVF and, and either egg donation or surrogacy. But the moment that the baby is born, all of the anxieties, those anxieties disappear and all of the first time parents' anxieties then begin. Yes, so it's, yeah, and those are replaced <laughs> now. <laughs> now there's a whole different set of stuff you gotta worry about. Exactly. That's where I come in. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, all of those things then, you know, am I a good, you know, one of the first things that we always think about is, am I doing the right thing? Am I a good parent? Am I doing the right thing for my child? And what I, you know, I have three sons and I always say, not a day goes by that I don't feel like a failure as a parent until someone stops me and says, what amazing children I have. Whoa. And that's when you really, you know, really, because we, we're, our default is always to think, maybe we're not doing it right. Maybe I could do something better. Maybe there is something else that I can do to teach them better or always that, you know? So, uh, yeah. And, and I mean, that just shows how good of a dad you are. I mean, that's just great great that you, that you worry. That that has to come from them, not from me. (laughs) They have to say that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I can say it. I'm going to say it anyway. I can see that. I can see that. Um, and, uh, and, and this is not the first time you and I have spoken and I know you care deeply about your boys, even though they're adults, right? They're, are they out of your home already? They're 24, 22 and 14. Oh, so the fortune. Yes. And uh, I'm the kind, we're the kind, my wife and I are the kind of parents who want to give our children roots rather than wings. So (laughs) we want them to always be grounded within our family. Oh, that's that's lovely. I'm the same way. I want them to kind of have both. I want them to stay close, but you know, do what they need to do. So, uh, and I like what you say too, right? Like you say, I'm going to give you the baby or allow you to, you know, facilitate the, you having a child, uh, but don't come to me when they're 16 and your child is driving you crazy, right? (laughs) You say say it in a better way. That's funnier, but anyway. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I always tell them. Don't call me when they take the car keys and they don't come back at night. That's, that's what, yeah, that's, that's right. And the thing is, right, is that when we now transition into the actual parenting piece of things, you know, it does get complicated and confusing. And what I know, having worked with parents that have, that have created their family through adoption, through surrogacy, through egg donation, I've, I've, I've worked with parents in all types of scenarios, um, you know, couples that are same sex couples as well. And regardless, when you struggle in your parenting, it's a horrible feeling, regardless. And so I want, I want surrogates, you know, uh, sorry, parents to know that have used surrogacy, that have used egg donation, all of the different ways that if you're struggling, it's okay. Every parent struggles. Like you just said, like you already said that, you know, I feel like a failure half the time. 
which you're not, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and so I think that's important to know that it's okay to struggle and that doesn't need to be deep, deep shame. You don't need to hide it. You don't need to pretend that it doesn't exist. Uh, even if you have wanted the child so bad. And that's, that's where I've seen the shame is couples that have fought to have a child. And then they have a child that isn't typical, that has extra needs, that, that is a, a challenging child. And they feel such deep shame and other feelings that I can only imagine. And they always beat themselves up, you know? So now I get to interview you. When, oh, you know, yeah. I, so let me ask you this. Uh, you know, again, we, we are mostly dealing with the anxieties and the questions that they have before the birth of the baby mm -hmm. and whether they will be bonding with their children or not. Mm -hmm. Have you seen anything on the other side where there are anxieties on the bonding or, or that has already happened, then the questions become different questions or the concerns become different concerns? Yeah, and I think it all it all has to do with the story you're telling yourself in your head too, right? Are you telling yourself that your child is not behaving because I'm not the real mom or because that was somebody else's egg, right? I think you've got to really be be aware of what you're saying to yourself in your head. And also, you know, look for help. Ask people, like open up to say, look, I am struggling and you're not alone. You're just not alone. There's so many parents out there that are struggling. I struggled for so long and I had two natural births, right? I had two, two boys that I was able to carry with my own eggs and my husband's sperm and all that stuff, you know, um, and I still felt deep shame. And I know that, that parents that are, that, are, that have come to, to be, to growing their family like this are, really deep in deep pain and they don't need to be it's okay there are small changes you can make in the way you look at the situation and the way you uh, you respond the way you see your child even and that can make massive shifts so if you are feeling that way don't worry it's okay you're not alone there is help and support for you that is very important, and I, and I have to remember what you said because it was really profound. It's the story that we tell ourselves in our head. I think that is very important. And also, the story that we tell our kids, because every, every child, their story becomes their story. So whether, whether the parents share with them from the beginning that they were a gift uh, you know, that, that, was, that was brought in their lives with somebody else's help, you know, and that becomes a part of their story and it, and it becomes really non-relevant because um, if they keep these things as secrets, secrets tend to come out at the worst times, especially if you're facing an angry teenager going through normal teenagehood and then they find out that maybe mom is not mom or dad is not dad. Oh, absolutely. And these things will always come out. Yes, yes. And uh, so it is, it, it, these are in, extremely important uh, uh, conversations that we need to have with our intended parents and, and, and how, the, and there are so many uh, books and resources now available to parents versus when I started about 20 years ago where there really wasn't much mm -hmm. uh, as in way of support or, or, or resources for parents to really figure out. I mean, I've, I've, had, I've had parents, again, this goes 20 years ago, who 
I mean, if they had a surrogate and the mother might have pretended that she was actually pregnant throughout the time that her surrogate was pregnant, just because of that feeling of maybe shame, that she didn't want anyone to know that she's not carrying this child. That's right. And these are very, very important, uh, you know, and, and they're very real. They're real anxieties that, that um, need to be addressed and they need to, they need to resolve. Mm. Do you ever, uh, do you, I don't know, if the, probably not, but do you ever introduce, uh, let's say you've got two couples that are, um, two couples that have both used the same surrogate or the same donor, do you ever, do, you, do they ever meet each other or anything like that to even compare notes about how their child is and if there's similarities? Is that a thing? No, because, I mean, as, as far as egg donation, usually because the, 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 the donor cycles are anonymous, there is no uh, communication between the parents and the donor or communication between the, you know, the intended parents. However, you bring up a really, really good point and something that up to now, nobody would even think about. When you talk about genetic testing, uh, I mean, genetic, uh, you know, like 23andMe or, yes. or DNA, you know, testing that people are doing and it's, it's becoming extremely relevant within what we do and the conversations that parents need to have in the future with their children because it's very easy to now see who one is genetically linked to or DNA relatives are. Well, I'll tell you a really interesting story. My husband has another brother. We never knew about him. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know the full story of how they met, but we've met him. And it is the craziest thing. I have to tell you, Parham, when we look at this guy, um, he's a super great guy. Um, he looks just like my father-in-law. His mannerisms are, he acts and talks, his voice, it, everything is more like my father-in-law than even my son, or sorry, my son, I always talk about my kids, even more than my husband and his, his other brother um, are like their dad. It's the craziest thing. And this guy wow. just came into our lives maybe 10 years ago. Um, and was, so, it through, was it through an, a, an accident or was it through genetic testing? It, was... it was many, many years ago. <laughs> I think 50 years ago, there was, there was a, an, an encounter, let's say, <laughs> where that happened. So, I mean, it's, and it's crazy, the nature versus nurture, you know, and to see that, right. But I also have another client who um, I, I found a, a sperm donor, I think through Facebook, and um, she has now met another mom that has a son as well. And I know her because she struggles a bit in her parenting with this, with this boy and, um, and so they met up and they could see a lot of similarities between the two kids. Like a lot of things were going on that were the same struggles that this mom was having, that this other mom was having. So, so interesting to see that. And you're right. It's really relevant. And, and actually my husband and I do have those DNA tests. We haven't done them yet, but you got, I almost worry like who, who are we going to find? Who else is in our, going to be in our family? Will there be more? I mean, that would be incredible. That is, these are all the, you know, we're, we're entering a new world now. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a book, I think it's called Inheritance. It's, uh, it's uh, the author uh, was raised in a, an Orthodox family 
but as an adult, when I think her, both of her parents had passed away, she did the 23andMe and found out that her father wasn't her father. Mm. That apparently her parents had gone through um, uh, um, in vitro fertilization and the fertility clinic that they had gone to back then had a practice of mixing donor sperm with the biological father's sperm just to make sure that they get a good, you know, successful result. They right. would, of course, tell the parents, you know, don't worry, it's yours, don't worry. And then, of course, you know, they, then they won't even think about it. And here comes a child. And now, you know, 50 years later or whatever wow. years later, um, with, you know, genetic testing, you know, that they can find out who they're related to. Well, yeah, that's, that's great. So, so you, you better be honest about this stuff now because your kids might find out sooner or later. And like you said, like, let's not lie about it. Let's just be really open and honest about it because it's really beautiful. The story is a really beautiful one. It, it is, it is. And then um, we had, uh, I actually had a, um, uh, an intended mother who was looking for an egg donor and she, when she was actually 13, at a family party, uh, she got into a fight with one of the one of the girls that you know, teenage girls, and the teenage girl told her, "Oh, you know, what are you talking about? You, you're not even like your dad is not even your dad, or something." And and that, oh. that was, and and she went crying to her mom, and you know, that's when she found out. So can you imagine as a teenager finding out that, you know, it's a bad your, time. Your dad is not here. Exactly. Yeah, it's a bad time to find out. Yeah, with all that goes on in a teenage brain and uh, body and all those things to find that out would be really tough. Uh, hopefully they had a good relationship and could repair and could move on from there. But uh, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty tough. Pretty tough to Absolutely. Find out. Well, I mean, I, I think all of these are incredible opportunities for conversations. Yes. And, and, and how to resolve that and come out of it with a different mindset, with a different outlook and different understanding. Yeah. What, what I really love about what you're doing is just that you, you really seem to really want to nurture these families. And I love that you love the love story. I mean, that is so beautiful. So I know that people that go to you are having really good experiences because you really care. And I think that is the, the best thing and how better than to have to invite someone into your, your, your parenting journey, who is as kind and compassionate as you and I'm sure your staff are as well they are they're amazing yes yeah, yeah. well thank, thank you for you. entering this conversation with me I mean I there's a lot I don't know um and I'm sure there's a lot that people don't know and um you know I I want to really honor how families come together no matter how they come together no matter what a family structure is love is important love is love and there's a lot of really beautiful stories out there and is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with as we uh, as we end here yes i think uh what i love about what i do and what you do is is it, it can be summed up in one word which is hope oh yes that is very true 
Very, very true. Well, thank you for leaving us on that note. That is wonderful. And, uh, and, and if anybody wants to, um, to, to look up what you do, or they're interested in being a surrogate or an egg donor, or having a surrogate or using egg donation, your, uh, your, uh, your EDSI, it's eggdonorandsurrogacyinstitute.com. Um, it's actually eggdonorandsurrogacy.com. Yes. Egg donor yes. and surrogacy. <laughs> sorry, egg donor and surrogacy.com. That's great. So well, I'll leave all of your information there. If anybody wants to reach out to you to ask about that um, and, and just see if you can help them with their family. I think that would be a wonderful uh, result of having this conversation. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> that would be great. Thank you. And it's, it's been such a delight to talk to you. Thank you as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace.